This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of the podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy you're joining me here today. We are going to be answering your questions today on the Your Morning Basket podcast. Now, this was really kind of a fun experiment. I had been planning on having my good friend, Misty Winkler, do this show with me for a number of months. We're kind of co-hosting the show because she is a really great resource when it comes to morning time. She's been doing morning time since her oldest was five. She's been doing it for eight years now, so fabulous resource over at her blog, simplyconvivial.com. Lots of morning time information. But then we started playing around with the Blab platform. Now, if you aren't familiar with Blab, it's one of these new video streaming platforms that are out there, kind of like Periscope. And it's blab.im is where you can find it online. And Blab allows you to have multiple people in a conversation and it records the conversation for you. So we thought, hey, let's try doing the Q&A show live. And so that's exactly what we did. We actually sent it out to the email list. If you're on the email list, you got that email and invited people to come in. And I would say we probably had 40 or 50 people join us that Saturday morning to watch the show live on Blab. And they were able to type in and ask their questions to us. And then we answered their questions on air, and then every other morning time question that I had received, we answered that on air as well. I'd received those via email. So that's what we're packaging up and delivering to you today. Now, I have done a little bit of editing to take out some of the awkward moments at the beginning, and you might notice a slight difference in some of the normal sound quality that we have. We always try to deliver you a really top quality show, and for whatever reason, Blab was not working on my computer, and so I ended up using my phone, which was fine, except for, you know, there's no microphone on my phone other than the one that's built into the phone. I couldn't plug in my fancy microphone. So I think you'll notice a small difference, but I don't think it's anything that's going to distract you at all from the content that we're providing. So we're going to get on with the show and let you listen in on the conversation that we had that day. And I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the live show. Let me know. Give me some feedback. If you go to edsnapshots.com forward slash YM B9, you'll be able to give me your feedback there and let me know if you like the live show, if it's something you think we should do again. So maybe you can come next time and take part and be part of the live audience. Sit back, enjoy the show and let us know how you like it. Misty Winkler is a homeschooling mom of five and she lives in Washington state with her husband, Matt. She's been doing morning time for about seven years now, right? Eight. Yeah, this is our eighth year. um, With her crew. And then I've been doing morning time for about four with mine. So between us, we have 12 years of morning time experience. Sounds pretty good. We are hoping to answer some of the questions that you guys have been having. So we do have some questions that have been sent in in advance. And then also we are going to take questions from the live audience here on Blab. And so don't forget, you guys here on Blab, if you have a question, just please hit forward slash Q and then type in your question and Misty will be able to read that and we'll work it into the show as we go along. So Misty, are you ready for our first question? I am. Great. 
Okay, well, we had a mom send in a question. This was Karen, and she wanted to know how she could do morning time, this relaxed approach of morning time, and still be able to meet high school requirements for credits. She's worried that if she spends time on morning time each day, that she won't be able to do to meet those hourly requirements that her state has her do for high school credit. So how can we help her out? Yeah, that was tricky because neither of us have had to do that one yet. My oldest is in seventh grade. So we're almost there. It's time where I really should probably start thinking about that. But I haven't had to do it yet. Keep track of the hours. Right. I was doing a little bit of research when I saw that question. And I think that the Ambleside online page actually has a really good section on high school credits and hours. So how to count hours and how to find out what your state even means by credit hours, because it's called credit hours, but under a lot of the systems, an hour isn't even an hour. So a a credit hour is like 40 minutes, you know, and so it's just a system that has its own, you know, the schools aren't tracking absolute hours worth of learning happening. So there are different ways to count that. And so Ambleside had a really good section addressing how to think about it and how to do that while still doing the kind of homeschool that we want to be doing. Right. This kind of deep reading, narration-based homeschooling. And so, yeah, yeah, I think you have a very good point. And also the HSLDA website has some information too, just in general about credit hours. And one of the things that they state is finishing a text will often, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to do it. But if you finish the text, then, you know, you can award a credit hour for finishing a text. So let's say you're doing a read, you're reading with your child or your children. And this is the other thing I want to stress is a lot of times things that, you know, if you have kids who are of an age, let's say you have a high schooler and then, you know, maybe down to an 11 year old and you have two or three kids in there, you can take the reading for one child and read that during morning time. And then that will cover what that child needs for part of his requirement, the high school child. But then the other kids, it's not like you have to read something different for them. They can kind of join in to what you're doing. And I think this was, oh, and this was the other thing I was going to pull up. When Angela Board was on the show, the podcast a few episodes ago, and hold up, hold on, I'm going to pull up that podcast episode number for you. That would be episode five. She was talking about how she realized that her high school students had never had logic. And so she wanted to give them logic. And she did that through morning time. And so the whole family just joined into the logic studies through morning time. Now, they used the fallacy detective. I don't know if Angela awarded a credit just for doing the fallacy detective. You know, did she do the fallacy detective over the course of the year? And then at the end of the year, say, okay, well, that's a half credit in like logic one or something. You know, I don't know that she did that, but I think it, it was an interesting concept to say, you know, I want my high schooler to have Shakespeare. We're going to do one Shakespeare play per term, you know, three over the course of a year. And then at the end of the year, I'm going to be able to award English lit credit to my high schooler because they've done some maybe some written narrations and things, watched the plays outside of morning time you know, but everybody in the family is going to get to join into that. So I think what I'm saying is use morning time to meet some of those high school requirements and let the other kids kind of follow along. It's not going to hurt them. And two, it doesn't have to 
the, your morning time doesn't have to be an hour long or more. No. Like if you just want to start building it and you have a high schooler who maybe wants to get on with his work and feels like this is taking away from his day, you know, just say, you know, hey, let's start off the day with a cup of coffee and praying together. So shortening morning time. And then also, I mean, Cindy Rollins has said for years that she did morning time in, you know, her morning time was really long, but those high schoolers only stayed for a small portion of it. And then she let them go because they were so busy and had so many other things to do. And so she front loaded that morning time with what she wanted the high schoolers to participate in. And then she released them to go on and and get on with their day and do what they needed to do. Another episode that's really good talking about high schoolers in morning time, of course, episode one, but also Jennifer McIntosh in episode six had some really good tips about working your high schoolers into morning time as well. I hope that was helpful, Karen. (laughs) Um, Maybe some of that will help you, but we'll definitely link to that Ambleside online link in the show notes so you can go check that out. Misty, thank you for finding that information. Okay, so do we have a question from the live audience we could take? Yes, we have one from Diana. She says, do you involve your children in the planning? Mine are nine, seven-year-old twins, three and 18 months. So how about you, Pam? Do your kids have any input into morning time? Uh, No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, if they came to me and said, oh, you know, my kids, I'm really lucky. They're pretty compliant with, I mean, you know, they moan and grumble about doing school all the time. But if I say, hey, guys, we're going to memorize this poem, eh, they memorize that poem. And they're pretty, you know, happy to do it, as happy as they are to do anything else. I know that some people like let kids choose what poem they want to memorize. I think Sarah McKenzie's done that before, where she's let each child choose their poems. Misty, you've done that. Go ahead and tell us about it. So especially when my oldest son started, he was about 10 and he did, there was, he had a lot more pushback on doing morning time. It just kind of (laughs) bad attitude. And so one of the things that I did was say, was give him the choice of what poems. Well, I let him pick three out of the six we do in the year. So there are still ones that I want him to learn, but I let him pick half of the, his poems for the year. And then of course that meant that the eight-year-old also got to. Right. <laughs> All the younger ones I pick theirs, but once you hit about eight or nine, you get to start picking your own. And this last year, then I let my oldest pick four out of the six. Next year, I might let him pick all of them. Because the other good thing about letting them pick their own poetry, one, they have more buy-in. So it's their choice. Right. And I noticed when the terms came around where it was the poem that I picked, you know, they did it. But when it was the poem that they picked, they were a lot more excited about it. They felt that ownership of it. So then I let him pick more this year. And when they pick are picking their own, that means they're browsing all the poetry books and trying oh, to find true. ones that they like. So it's tricky. <laughs> they're in there flipping through all the poetry books and I'm like, oh, did you know we have this other poetry book? Have you ever seen this one? <laughs> yeah. So they think they're like gaining all this control from mom. And you're like, ha, I'm making Score. a work through the poetry books. I love it. I love it. So yeah. Now, and I also, Diana asked specifically about planning morning time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think your idea is great for that. And then I also think as children get older, then it's important to let them take leadership roles in morning time. You know, let them be the one who leads the prayer. Let them be the one who lights the candle. Let them be the one who 
leads the memory work or something of that nature and handles pushing the buttons on the iPhone. So all the recording stuff plays, whatever. I do think that's important as well. Yeah, I think a little bit of planning is good, especially when it helps to do the buy-in. All right, well, let's take another question from our list of questions that were sent in. Okay, so we have a mom who has some little children, and I think this is a question we get a lot. And she said, I would like nothing more than have my children sit around me while I read from many great books, (laughs) but my kids are mostly all so little still. I have an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old who are more than capable of joining in morning time. My five-year-old, however, is not there yet. And then I have three more kids, three years and under. So I have been very discouraged several times this year with lots of tears on all fronts when trying to gather my crew in the morning. So she goes on to say she does circle time based on the Waldorf method with movement verses and reciting a few poems, but it's the reading aloud that's really getting to her. So she says... The guests you've had on your podcast so far talked about what they did with their kids when they were little, but it seems a little vague and not as nitty gritty practical. So can we give this, and I don't have her name here, but can we give her some nitty gritty practical advice? So I started morning time when my oldest was five. So right now he's 12 and my youngest just turned three. So, so far we've always had a baby or a toddler in our morning times. It's been a different, different one and they've moved on and up. But it's always a trick. And it seems like every six months or so, something that was working no longer works. Like with little kids, the dynamic shifts so quickly that you have to really be paying attention and willing, be willing to change things up. Okay. And so I want to point out for this poor lady who, and I know how she feels. I can remember, I don't think I homeschooled for six whole months. While my taught, while my youngest kid who, you know, what it is about the youngest kid, you know, he was between the ages of like 15 and 21 months. And my oldest was only like five at the time. And I said, you know what? I give up. We're just, (laughs) we're just going to unschool for six months because this is too frustrating. So we took like the summer and a couple of extra months off around the summer, but you do not read in morning time, right? Or you did not. I do not. Okay. So go ahead. And so I think we need to give her permission And tell me how you get reading done with your, well, I know you're not a big read aloud fan anyway, but you do read some. (laughs) So tell me. I do. Let's tell this lady how you do it because I think it might be helpful. Okay. So yeah, I feel like I have kind of too many age groups to do much reading aloud altogether in the morning because I lose somebody. It's too much. What I want to read for the older kids is too much for the younger, you know, the toddler the baby, they'll go off or just start crying. You know, we just can't stay together with everybody on board for that long to do significant read alouds. So our morning time is the ritual and recitation part and the reading I keep separate. So we get together in the morning, we pray, we sing, we do scripture memory and catechism and other kind of memory work. And then the big kids go off and they start their independent work. We have a little break. The little ones get up and do, you know, I'm moving the laundry and getting water or something. There's a little bit of transition time. And then I bring the middle kid, the seven, five-year-old, and we sit on the couch and we do our reading on the couch. And I think they pay better attention to the reading when they feel it's for them and they're right there close to me. 
and we're looking at books that have pictures. If I was reading a book at the table that had pictures <laughs> and they're sitting away at the table, that would not go over very well. Right. So we sit together on the couch and that's our reading time while the big kids are doing their thing. And then twice a week in the afternoons during nap time, actually, I my younger kids go to my friend's house and her bigger kids come to my house. And so she reads those kids' picture books at her house. And I read the history science read alouds with the big kids separate without the little kids running around. And that works great. Right. And so you could do that during nap time if you didn't have a friend to trade with. I mean, it just Misty's very fortunate that she yes. has a friend who lives on the same street as her with some of the same goals. And so they trade off in this fashion. And Misty gets to do what she loves with the older kids. And this lady takes the younger kids. But you could do it during nap time when, yes. you're, when your little ones were napping. And, yes. And um, in the past, before she lived on the same street and we did this, I would put the younger kids, you know, some, the baby might be napping, but I might have a toddler that wasn't. And so I would put them in their room with an audiobook, that sort of thing, or, you know, a special toy in their room, doors closed and something of their own to listen to, whether that's music or an audiobook or something to help the not nappers still have a quiet time. Right. So they're doing quiet time while you're mm -hmm. doing this reading with the older kids. Yeah. And you call that elementary lessons in the yes. afternoon, but you've admitted to me that honestly, it's really just morning time. It's another morning time. Yeah. So I think splitting morning time, that's a really good idea. You know, using nap time, that's something that is a practical solution for those kinds of things. And if you can't make that work, give yourself permission to only do what you can do. If the little section of morning time that's working for you is the section where you're reciting the poems and you're singing the little songs, you know, you, she told us that one section was working, then give yourself permission mm -hmm. to just do that section and call it good. And don't beat yourself yes. up about the parts that you can't get done. You know, because they're yeah. in all likelihood, you know, when dad comes home at night or something like that, you're reading aloud to the kids at that point. Or when the little ones go to bed, you're reading aloud to the bigger kids. Or, you know, or you have an audio book on in the car. You have, I was just about to say that. Strap them all in the car and put on an audio book, you know. And so, yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is. Well, and the other. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Another thing is, you know, my the toddler is there, but. Sometimes the toddler's playing with a toy on the ground and sometimes the toddler is throwing a fit on the ground mm -hmm. and the toddler's up and down and in people's business and on my lap and moving around and just kind of being, you know, mm -hmm. we're doing our thing and they're with us, but they don't have to be like sitting perfectly still or being perfectly behaved. They're just there. And there've been a lot of times where the baby starts fussing, not like baby, baby, but like toddler just starts fussing because, you know, they're toddlers. And, you know, I'll just go stick that toddler up in her bed for the last 10 or 15 minutes. I'm like, well, if you're crying, you can't be a part of this. And you can you can last for 15 minutes in your room or whatever. And that helps them learn that they can't manipulate what's going on. And that's another reason why I have everyone has their own binder. Because <laughs> I right. can leave the room with the toddler who's misbehaving and not have everyone... Just sitting there doing nothing or squabbling or leaving the room, <laughs> descending into utter chaos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think those are some good tips. And so hopefully that will be helpful. 
All right. So let's take another question from the live audience. Okay. Can you give a good explanation of what morning time is? I keep hearing bits and pieces and trying to put it together. No, I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes, I can. Actually, I wrote a book about that. (laughs) You worked really hard to be able to say what morning time is. That's exactly right. Morning time is a time set apart in your homeschool day where the entire family comes together and learns together, minus the, you know, toddler who needs to be separated. But the entire family comes together and learns together. And typically, not always, there are four basic parts to morning time. And three of them kind of, one of them encompasses the other three. There's ritual, which is some kind of prayer that you have in your life or some kind of liturgical activity. This might be singing a hymn, lighting a candle, doing daily prayers, reading scripture. So that's typically the ritual aspect of morning time. Morning time will also usually have a reading aspect where you're sharing something with your family through reading good books. And these can be small snippets of good books. You might be reading Shakespeare. You might be reading Thornton Burgess. You might be reading poetry. Those are some things you might share in your reading. And then the third element there is recitation, where you're doing a little memory work. Maybe you're memorizing a poem, you're memorizing scripture, you're memorizing, some of us use that time to memorize multiplication facts or geography locations. And then all of this is wrapped up in relationship. You're building this family culture with all of your children together through the activities that you're doing. And so often our homeschool day is fragmented into, well, my fifth graders over here doing this and my seventh graders, you know, locked in his room, working on pre-algebra and my toddler is climbing the shelves and throwing things off into the floor and my preschoolers just learning to form their letters. But this is a time in the day when you can all come together and contemplate truth, goodness, and beauty as a family in one spot. And it's also a great time and a great place to take all those little things that you want to do in your homeschool that often get pushed out of the schedule, like composer study or, you know, picture study or specific things that you want to read. For us, it's a place where we put our faith reading together and we just read a little bit from a book of faith with each other and talk about that and have great discussions. And so there's not a lot that's wrong to put in morning time. There's an awful lot that's right to put in morning time. And it's a great way to fit that stuff in, in about anywhere from 15 to an hour and 15 minutes in your day. All right, Misty, what do you want to add to that? Well, I would say that, you know, it also doesn't have to have all those pieces all at once. Like you can build slowly and not have it be this, you know, you hear the ideal of what it could be and you can, it's easy to build it up in our minds so that then we are happy with what's actually happening in our homes. Right. And we should be doing what works for our home and not trying to reach this ideal where we do everything every day and our kids never misbehave and always sit there and can narrate everything perfectly with their hands in their lap, touching mm-hmm. anyone else at the table, <laughs> keeping your hands yourself. <laughs> yeah. Not saying, not saying mean and aggravating things to their brother or sister during morning time. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> he made a not mean an, face at me, mom. <laughs> yeah, He's looking at me. It's not an idyllic <laughs> thing at all, you know, but there is beauty in the brokenness of morning time. Just the fact that you're doing yes. morning time. 
Yes. So Dawn's masking tape. I saw the, her picture on Instagram of her morning timetable, and I immediately knew what these were. <laughs> so she has a round table, and it's divided. There's a masking tape line dividing it into quarters. And that's each person's space. <laughs> no one else can touch the other person's space. And I think that and uh, the, yeah, the space that the tape takes up, they were fighting over like whose the tape was. And so all the tape space is mom's. <laughs> that's funny. So this is our friend Dawn and she's Lady Dusk all across the blogosphere. Help me with her blog address. Is it ladydusk.blogspot.com? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we may need to post Dawn about the t- the taped off table <laughs> coming up. So I can send you the link. You. It is on her blog. Okay, yes. great. Send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes so everybody can see <laughs> what real morning time looks like. And I just want to go back to what Misty was saying. Yes, I was telling you what morning time was, but in order to get to that point, the surefire way, the number one way to sabotage your morning time is to try to birth a full-blown morning time from the very beginning because it's hard. I mean, there I'm not going to say that there's nobody out there who can do it. There are people who can do it, but most of us really, 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 really need to start with one thing and then build on that. So do that one thing for a week and then add another thing. And I talk about this in the book and also I have an e-course that's part of the program where I send you an email once a week for six weeks. And I just very slowly build you up to adding more and more things to this morning time habit that you're creating. So yeah, start small. Yes. Baby steps. Give me another question. All right. Antonia wants to know, how do you interest younger kids and older kids at the same time? Or do you separate morning time into parts? I have a child age two, kindergartner, fifth grader, and seventh grader. So that's almost like me, except I have a second grader in there too. Right. But those are the ages of my kids also. All right. You want to talk to that for a few minutes? Well, that is why I separated out the reading, most of the reading from everything else. So I kind of see our morning morning time, us coming together and starting the day off on the right foot together. There's something about singing together, praying together and singing together that really helps our attitudes and our like family unity, (laughs) all getting on the same team in the morning. We can all do that together. Like none of that is age specific. Right. And we do our poetry, the poetry memorization at that time. And even the three-year-old has her own poem that she does half the time when she feels like participating. (laughs) But, you know, then they're hearing other language. They're hearing good language and things that I wouldn't necessarily read to the toddler, but it's short. And we also do a few things that are, you know, like Latin chants or some things like that, that are audio that I just turn on from the iPod. Mm -hmm. And so it's short and it's fast moving. Like we're not doing sitting and reading one thing for a long time. Like no one's attention span is being pulled on too much. And the toddler can get up and move around and color. And she's just there really. Right. And then that's why we separate out then the reading time so that the kindergarten, young elementary kids get their still close to mom couch time picture book reading that the older kids would be annoyed by. And they have their time to go do their work. And then we have time to read the books to them with a little longer attention span while the others do their thing. And yeah, I think that's a good way to handle it. The other thing that Jen McIntosh talked about in episode six 
was that she kind of shoots for the middle of her group. And she has one who just graduated all the way down to a toddler. And I think she has five children. And she was talking about how she shoots for the middle and she really goes for those living books. But having said that, you know, she's shooting for this upper elementary range. And so she said, you know, her 15 year old son is sitting through some of the little house books again. She was talking about how with little house being a living book, then she is then able to have deeper conversations with him and ask him more probing questions. You know, when you're doing Little House on the Prairie, all of these questions can come up about native peoples and was it right for you know, so the questions just get deeper and deeper, even though she's kind of shooting for the middle with what she's reading because they yeah. live, they're living books. And she and I also talked about, well, what do you do when you have this 13, 14 year old boy who's not wanting to do this with the little kids? And she said, you know, a lot of times this is a place where dad can step in and have this conversation about being there to set a good example and leading the little kids and things of that nature. I think Mm -hmm. you've got to find what works for your family. I think that's the most important thing. And it's a tricky thing too that that age, we're just kind of getting into there ourselves. And it's really Mm -hmm. difficult to discern if it's, you know, it's really a problem or if they feel like they're at an age where they, they should be pulling back from everyone else, but they really don't want to, but they're kind of bluffing a disinterest. Mm -hmm. And if you just keep pulling them in, that's really what they need is to still be drawn into the family and not, you know, just because they're pushing back doesn't mean that they don't want to be a part of it. Right, right. They just may be testing those limits. And I think that's a place where giving them some leadership roles in the morning Mm -hmm. time is probably today's going to be your day to lead the prayer. You know, those kinds of things. Yeah, probably is probably big. So separating out is an, is an answer and also kind of shooting for the middle, but taking the discussion deeper with the older kids, I think is an answer. And I think Angela Board kind of shoots a little high and lets the little ones come along. You know, she's doing Julius Caesar and got two, five, seven, nine-year-olds joining in with Julius Caesar and everybody who could read is taking apart. She's doing logic. And, you know, she said, what surprised her most was her nine-year-old twins loved the logic most of all. So <laughs> shooting for the middle, shooting a little high. Oh, I just wanted to say real quick. The other day, my five-year-old left the room in morning time. Actually, he left the house. He went outside in the backyard. And my other two kids were like, hey, mom, do we need to go get Thomas? We're doing morning time. Like, no, not today. Just let him go. He's outside. He's playing quietly. He's obviously more interested in something that's going on out there than what's going on in here right now. It's not all the time. And just let him go. So, and he's, he's, yeah. well, he's six now. He's not five anymore. So sometimes you just do yeah. that. Yeah. And so then there's also the Cindy Rollins and Brandy Vensel also does this setup where I think Brandy started off where first, you know, she'd kind of aim at that middle upper or, you know, first all together, then you aim more towards the upper end and let the toddlers go play. Mm-hmm. And then she just, she said that recently she's kind of switched that off where they do all together and, front load the together stuff and then let she now lets her oldest go and is aiming it more towards her younger kids. So there's also kind of this graduated letting people leave the table at different times. And I think that you said it earlier, morning time is going to change and ebb and flow 
and what's working now might not work six months from now or a year from now. And you, you just switch it up and find out what works again. I think the most important part is to have that little bit of ritual time together each day, a little bit of recitation and, you know, depending on how much you want to do and having that discussion, that shared family culture. Okay. Let's take another question from my list. I have a mom who wants to know what does morning time look like when all of the children are still little toddler, preschool, K first grade and resources. And Oh, I meant to bring resources upstairs and I totally forgot. Um, (laughs) So what yeah, I didn't grab anything. What does it look like when the kids are all really little? She doesn't have a wide range of ages. Do you have some suggestions for her before I talk? Well, the way we started, we started when my oldest was five, the second was three, and I had a baby. And so morning time took about ten or fifteen minutes. Okay, so short. And we it was short. I think we I prayed. We sang holy, holy, holy. We had about five or seven catechism questions we were learning and we recited Psalm 1. And that was all. Or And we would read a little bit from a poetry book. Okay. Just, you know, like a nursery rhyme type book. Yeah. And that was all. I think nursery rhymes are huge and they're kind of undervalued sometimes as just being these cute little sayings, but they're actually a pretty important part of literacy development for little kids. And actually... Right now, my 12-year-old, we're doing grammar of poetry. So he's learning about how poetry works. And I'm using a video curriculum. And the teacher is using those nursery rhymes that he kind of expects kids to be familiar with. Mm -hmm. But they're learning all the technicalities of poetry using nursery rhymes. So it's not even just for little kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So focusing on those nursery rhymes and especially the ones with finger plays and things like that, keeping it short. Reading picture books, you know, five in a row has a great list of picture books that you could read, singing a lot, moving a lot, and expecting it to be just a little bit chaotic. And Mm -hmm. they can memorize. I think that's something important that you said, you know, you sing holy, holy, holy. We would sing one of our songs last year was This Little Light of Mine. Mm -hmm. Either, Either kind of song works great. And then doing a little bit of scripture and a little bit of poetry memorization with them. And then if you have a catechism and you're going to memorize catechism, doing a few catechism memorization and they can do it. Kids that age. Oh, yeah. Learn that stuff quickly. Well, and the one that we do is really, you know, like who made you? And the answer is mm-hmm. God. You know, it's it's really basic. Yeah. So, yeah. Very simple questions. Yeah. I think morning time with that age would be a lot of fun. OK. Do we have another question in the list? Yes, we do. One lady wants to know, is it too late to start now? I have a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old. Can they embrace this now after so many years of not having this routine? Yeah. (laughs) I think you're going to have to get buy-in. You know, I think with those ages, the tricky thing is you're going to have to get them to buy into this. And so I think this is one of the places where you know, I really encourage mom to set herself up during morning time as a fellow learner with the students. So not so much as this Mm -hmm. is me, I'm in charge, I'm teaching this to you, I'm making you do this. But instead, this is a journey that I'm inviting you to come along with me. And we are all going to learn together. Because the kinds of things that you do in morning time, the books you read, the things you memorize, the scripture, the prayer, is all just as much for mom's benefit as it is for the kids, especially with that age group. You can really get into, 
I wouldn't be afraid to have meaty discussions, maybe do some apologetics with that age group, something where they're really going to kind of dig in to that and really want to talk about those things, allowing them to take charge and lead some of the parts of the morning time, I think would be a big thing for that age group, allowing them to choose what the family's going to memorize and mom memorizing some of the things they choose as well as just saying, you know, this is what we're going to do. Logic, a a fun logic like the fallacy detective where they can really kind of dig into some meaty discussion is probably a good thing for that age group to include, to get them to buy into morning time. Yeah, that really kind of revolutionized our morning time when I made the shift more towards being a participant in morning time myself. Because when I first started, you know, I had the five-year-old and three-year-old and baby, and it was really me leading, like, come on, everyone, (laughs) like pulling everyone, come on, this is what we're going to do. And I'm giving everyone, okay, this is what we're going to do next. And this is what we're going to do next. And I was really bossy. (laughs) (laughs) Not you, Misty. (laughs) Come on. Okay, next thing. Let's go. (laughs) And when we started adding more things as they started getting older, and I realized, you know, this is stuff I should be doing for myself, memorizing scripture, memorizing poetry. Like this is good for me. I'm not above this. Right. I can be right in there with them and we can be all together. And that really changed just that perspective shift for me, strengthened that relational bit of morning time when I was no longer standing up and pulling everyone along mm-hmm. and trying to keep everyone on track. But I was one of them. Right. You know, I pray and they pray. They all have a poem to memorize and I have a poem to memorize too. You know, we're all doing it together and making that shift really just changed kind of the spirit of our morning time. Yeah. I say every bit of memory work with my kids. We all say it together. I don't single people out and quiz them unless they want me to. I'm not trying to do an evaluation to see, you know, do you have this memorized? You know, we can mm-hmm. do it every day and they will, they will get it because yeah. we're doing it every yep. day. And I'm just saying it right along with them. I think mom being a participant is big for that age group as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not too late. Give it a try. Start small, one little thing at a time, pick up a book and say, Hey, I thought this would be fun. Let's, let's read this together. And once they kind of, and you know, a lot of times I tell people start with prayer. You know, I don't, your family may already be doing morning prayer or something like that. That if you're trying to hook teens, you might start with apologetics or start with logic and really get them excited about doing that portion of it first. And then, you know, say, hey, I would like to, before we read our logic book this morning, after you've done it for a couple of weeks, say the Lord's Prayer together and then do that and then lead into your logic book and just kind of build mm-hmm. a little bit like that. Or even pulling them in by saying, hey, let's have coffee together. Yeah. You know, coffee or hot chocolate or some kind of morning yes. treat or something oh, yeah. to pull everyone together o- around something. Oh, yeah. I meant to say that earlier when we were talking about this food. And I think it was <laughs> Elizabeth Foss who was talking about how she got her bigger boys to buy into having liturgical tea parties each week because she would make them snacks. And so she would bake something. And so, you know, of course they would come to the table for these <laughs> snacks. And then all of a sudden it's like, they're expecting it. Mom, we've got to have our tea party today. <laughs> the morning time should be a piece of cake. If you can get teenage boys to do tea parties. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> good food. Popcorn is at one of our absolutely favorite morning time. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah that wouldn't get everything 
so messy. Yeah, well, I'm afraid of giving my children beverages at the table with a whole bunch of papers and stuff. I I understand. We do. We bring my children eat all day long. So they are they're always bringing stuff to the table. Let me see. Okay, this is a really good question. This listener said she has a 6, 4 and 2 year old and morning time is a priority for them and she lets them make noise and wiggle a lot because they're all boys and they play Legos and Duplos while they do memory work or listen to music or read. And she said they catch a lot, but they tune her out. So she feels like she's going against the Charlotte Mason principle of teaching the habit of focused attention. And that's something that's important to her. So she wants to know if letting them play quietly-ish, I love that, (laughs) quietly-ish during morning time at odds with the idea of focused attention and good listening skills. You want me to tackle that? Well, one? I don't think that it is. <laughs> you don't think that it is. <laughs> okay. Tell me what you think. Well, I think there is time for focused attention, but that doesn't have to be every reading time. Right. And I, I actually had this conversation with Brandy Vinsel way back when I was working on the book because, you know, this is always my number one, my number one answer for people when they say, I can't get my kids to sit still in morning time. I'm like, they don't have to. You know, they don't have to sit still. If you're expecting them to sit there, with their hands folded in their laps the entire time, you're going to fail and because they're children. So I was talking to Brandy about this very thing is by encouraging people to let their kids move during morning time, is it kind of like going against the whole focused attention thing? And her answer was, it is and it isn't. And it is because they're not doing focused attention if they're playing or moving. But what she acknowledged was they're not going to do be able to do that for an entire morning time. And Charlotte Mason would have never expected children to sit for even, you know, 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 50 minutes at that age with that kind of attention. So kind of what we came up with, I'm trying to remember if this is in the book or not, but kind of what we came up with was have a time. If you're wanting to work on the habit of focused attention during morning time, have a time, preferably at the beginning, where they are required to not do anything else. And we do this in our home. This is prayer time. So in prayer time, Mm -hmm. they're supposed to be sitting at the table. They're not supposed to be eating. They're not supposed to be playing with something. They're supposed to be focused and attentive on the prayer that we're doing at that moment. And I will tell you, it's not always perfect. A lot of times they start projects before we start praying and I have to remind them to stop. A lot of times they're just wiggly in general. And so that's the time for us. And it takes about five to 10 minutes to go through our little morning prayer book. And then after that, they're free to do what they want. But that's the time that they're supposed to be focused and attentive. So I think having a combo like that, where if this is an important habit she wants to build in her children, have a small period of time right at the beginning where they do that and then allow them to go and do other things. And if there's a re- one reading in particular yep. that she wants them to really focus on, then pick that one and let them know ahead of time yeah. and then have them narrate afterwards. But make sure that reading is really short and you aren't just reading on and on beyond what they can have focused attention. Excellent. But they need to know ahead of time that they're going to be responsible for it. And then they need to be responsible for it. But then, you know, that doesn't mean that every reading has to be like that. There's still a place for just... I call it just letting language wash over them, yeah. <laughs> you know, just letting the words 
they're hearing good language patterns, even if they aren't catching everything that's still important for their language development and attention span, even if they're playing with something, it's still helping them, even if it's not focused attention. Right, right. Good advice. Okay, that is all of my questions over here. You got some more over there? Don asks if morning time has to be done in the morning. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the morning person. She doesn't want me to answer. (laughs) Okay, I'm not. And no, the answer is no. You can do morning time at any time of day. And, you know, another question that a lot of people with teens or with kids who like to sleep late, and I want to know where you sign up for these kids who sleep late. Because I did not, you know, I got one out of three and I'm feeling totally gypped here. My kids were up. My boys were up before six this morning, you know, poking at my eyelids. Mom, I'm hungry. I'm really feeling gypped. But no, it doesn't have to be done in the morning. Now, I do think it sets a tone for the day. And I do find that sometimes when we don't start the day by doing it, like, you know, if somebody is dragging their feet and so I get somebody else started on math and then it just seems to spiral where everybody's busy Mm -hmm. doing their own stuff and there's not a good stopping point. It takes us a while to get to it. Those are the days when it's easiest for me to push it aside and not get back to it. But you guys may be a lot more disciplined than I am. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) So five people is a lot of people to pull to the table all at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it, it is. So, you know, I think it does not have to be done in the morning. But like exercise, it's probably most consistent when it's done in the morning. Unless, let's talk about pegging. If you peg it to another part of your day. So if you're not going to do it in the morning, you know, maybe you have a timer go off and that indicates to you that, you know, you set an alarm on your phone and that indicates to you, okay, it's 15 minutes until morning time or five minutes until morning time. I would not have the timer go off and say, okay, everybody stop what you're doing right now. We're going to start. You have to give them that transition time. Misty, tell us about your song. Oh, yeah. So I got this idea from Pam's book and the idea that you need some kind of transition and like call to morning time because getting everyone together and at the table at the same time was the most difficult part of morning time for us. And someone would start something and I'd have to stop them, but someone would be playing and just getting everyone all on the same page at the same place is really hard. Mm -hmm. So now I start a particular song and it's, you know, not, it's just a, it's an Andrew Peterson song called little boy heart alive. And it's about four minutes. So, you know, guitar, drums, the whole bit, it's a fun song and it's four minutes long. And so when, when that starts, people know they have to wrap up what they're doing, get their binder and sit at the table. So they have this space, this time to do that. And it's not me yelling, calling around the whole house, trying to figure out where everyone is. (laughs) I just turn on the song. And so my tone also has a chance to settle down. Right. (laughs) And we can all come together kind of at peace with each other. We aren't all like, oh, I didn't want it. I want, can I finish this? You know, we aren't just all kind of negotiating all together. It's just like, okay, this chord plays loudly. Everyone says, oh, oh, it's morning time. And it's this fun, perky kind mm-hmm. of song. So that helps set the tone. So that has been that has been huge for us this year. Right. 
And this is something we do at our co-op, but I don't do at home. But I may, I think I'm going to try that. Can we link to the song in the show notes? Yes, I'll get Misty to send me the song. And then I have one that we play at co-op that we love. And I don't even know who it's by. Yeah, starting with a song. And I love that you're not yelling. And it allows you to prepare your attitude as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody comes with probably a much better attitude than they would have had without the song. And because it's four minutes long, it gives them time for that transition. And so that was what Mm -hmm. I I meant by don't have the alarm go off at 11 and say, okay, everybody stop what you're doing. Have the alarm give you like a 10 minute warning. So you as mom Mm -hmm. set the alarm, it gives you a 10 minute warning. And then, so, you know, three or four minutes into that 10 minute warning, you need to start your song. And that lets everybody know that it's time to come to the table and get started. Yeah. Having that procedure, that habit helps me actually make morning time happen too. Because when I have to find everyone and call everyone and try to get everyone together, that's really easy to push off. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to. I don't want to. Right. But turning a song on on my iPod is pretty easy. Right. I say, okay, I'm going to get my coffee and I'm going to turn on a song. <laughs> Oh, it's a song that means something to everybody. Right. But turning on a song is a whole lot easier than me getting everyone together. Yeah. So that makes it happen. Yeah. And then pegging. Pegging is, I think I mentioned this and then we got off on the song. So pegging is choosing something that normally happens in your day anyway, and then pegging the activity that you want to do to that other activity. So for some of you guys, it might be lunch. If you don't want to do morning time in the morning, then you peg morning time to lunch and you say, okay, after everyone is finished with their lunch, then we're going to do morning time. As soon Mm -hmm. as lunch is over, we're going to gather wherever it is. I would play a song and sit and do our morning time. So you could certainly do that. Or even start with the rating while people are eating and their mouths are full. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And um, (laughs) Brandy Vinsel, it's not her morning time, but Brandy Vinsel reads aloud to her kids during lunch. And she eats early while she's prepping, while she's in there preparing their lunch. She kind of fixes her plate and eats while she's preparing everybody else's lunch. And that way, when they sit down to eat, she's done and she can read to them. So you could even do that. You could start by reading to them while they're still eating. And then when they're done and have kind of pushed their plates away, then you could do the recitation part of morning time because recitation doesn't work when your mouth is full. No, ask me how I know. (laughs) Like, you've got to stop eating so we can do our memory work. So, all right. Another question. How long is your morning time right now? Eh, About an hour. It may not even be an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. It was longer and then I was stressing. And so I started looping it. And I have a post about that I can link to in the show notes. And now that I'm looping it, it's probably closer to 45 minutes. Mine's about 45 minutes and I block off an hour for it. Right. Yeah, very smart. Give yourself margin. Always plan more time than what you plan material for that time slot. So any more questions? That's it. So Misty, tell everybody where they can find you. And you have a fabulous morning time index on your site. So tell us about that while we're waiting to see if any yes. more questions come up. I blog about classical homeschooling and practical homemaking at simplyconvivial.com. And recently I met someone and they said, oh, is that how you say it? (laughs) (laughs) Simply Convivial. (laughs) And at simplyconvivial.com slash memory, I have 
all our morning time lists, all the things we've memorized, all the hymns that we've learned in the eight years that we've been doing morning time, I have listed everything that we've done in those morning times. And I also have a video of last year's morning time, a real complete morning time. It's about 36 minutes. So if anyone wants <laughs> to see a real life one, and I will say though that my kids knew they were being recorded and were better than usual. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> I think my kids would be worse than usual. <laughs> well, the first time we tried, they were. And then I had them watch it. And they decided they didn't want that strangers on the internet to see oh, it. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. I just thank you so much for joining me here today. And I thank all of you guys for joining us here live. This was, yeah, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. I think we're going to have to do this again. And asking your questions. And I was not able to keep up with the comments that I did see a couple of times that you guys were helping each other out. And that, that was wonderful talking to each yeah, other. Some great comments. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. So thanks so very much. If you have any more questions, if you think of something later and you're like, oh, I wish I'd asked that, please shoot me an email at pam at edsnapshots.com. And I will be happy to answer your question or we'll put it on the next Q&A show. All right. Well, thanks so much. Lucy. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Pam. All right. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Now that's not only episode nine of the podcast in the books, but it's also season one of the Your Morning Basket podcast in the books. We're going to be taking a winter hiatus over the Christmas holidays, but never fear, we'll be back in January. This just gives myself and my podcast manager, Mary, a little bit of extra time over the holidays to spend it with our families. But we'll be back in January with more great guests. I'm so excited about some of the people we have lined up for season two. We have Sonia Schaefer, Julie Bogart, and Sarah McKenzie will all be coming at you very early in season two. And we're really excited about those guests. Now, if you're sad and looking for something to listen to over the holidays, maybe while you're taking a break from your own homeschooling, back episodes of Your Morning Basket can be found at yourmorningbasket.com or on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you've exhausted all of those episodes, you might try my other podcast, which is the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. And on that podcast, I interview homeschooling moms from across the country. We've had some really great interviews. We've interviewed Tish Oxenreiter, Carol Joy Side, Janice Campbell, and most recently, Dr. Susan Weisbauer. So these are really fun interviews with homeschooling moms, giving you a little peek into their homeschools. So I encourage you to check that out at homeschoolsnapshotspodcast.com. In the meantime, you guys have a fabulous holiday and I'll catch you again in January. And until that time, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.